0: Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and I'm joined today by Richard Brummett. Richard, thanks so much for coming on. Good to be here. So I have known about you uh, for many years because of your involvement with the Daily Press. So I remember growing up and whether looking for my name in tennis or usually my friends in basketball or football or baseball, I would find your name there along with pictures that you had taken. And I've loved keeping up with you. Over the years, um, not just because you're a Cardinals fan and we have that in common, but because you do this thing, what's it called? I think you got the blast from the past blast that you put on Facebook. And I rarely get on – social media of any kind, but I will regularly go and stalk your page just to try to find out what picture you have posted. And so I'm interested, even though we've known each other for several years, we worked together for a brief stint at Arkansas Counseling, um, I don't really know a whole lot about your story. And so I would love just to hear uh, a little bit about um, where you came from and kind of how you got to where you are today. Okay.
1: I grew up here in the Paragold area, lived Close to Oak Grove when I was till I was in the um, first grade. My mom taught school at Marmaduke, so I went to Marmaduke. Then she took a job in Paragould, and we moved into town. And I was a Paragould guy the rest of the time.
0: Okay, and so you graduated from Paragould. I did,
1: 1970.
0: College or no college?
1: I went to Ranger, Texas to play baseball for a couple of years.
0: Ranger, Texas? Ranger
1: Junior College, Ranger, Texas. Okay.
0: So you played ball at uh, Paragould, and then?
1: I played basketball at Paragould. Paragould didn't have baseball back
0: in the okay. days of your. <laughs> okay. I had no idea.
1: I was a baseball player in the only school in the county that didn't have a baseball team.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um- And I guess that was before the days where you just could switch back and forth as many times you wanted to, just go to where the team was.
1: We actually had some boosters from our biggest arrival tried to get my mom and dad to pretend they were separated so dad could rent a trailer in the other school district, Wow. and I could go play baseball. But so, I thought it was the greatest idea I ever heard of, and dad was kind of 50-50. My mom was terrified, just, <laughs> we are not pretending we're separated.
0: <laughs> I could see where she would want to do that. But you <clears> play <throat> baseball primarily in the City League, Sandlot style?
1: Little League, Bay Ruth, American Legion.
0: Okay. What position were you? Shortstop. All right, fantastic. So you went and did a little junior college baseball. I did. Um, I'm guessing you didn't go pro, which is probably a dream of yours.
1: That was the dream from day one, and I lasted till I was about 22. Okay. I played some independent ball uh, after college, but then reality kind of stank in.
0: <laughs> so you've obviously had a love for sports. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into covering sports?
1: Well, I guess I credit my mom with that. My mom was a school teacher and when I was really young she decided I needed to be reading every once in a while instead of just throwing a tennis ball against the house and playing my imaginary games. So she subscribed to Sport Magazine for me without telling me hmm. and you know I found that in the mailbox and I came running in. And she said, yeah, I thought you might want to read some of that stuff. So I read baseball and basketball hmm. you know, word for word front to back and then if the other sports were somebody I was interested in, I would mm-hmm. read that. So she kinda introduced me to sentence structure and word usage and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then uh, I guess starting my ninth grade year, she said, Well it's about time, you know, decide what you're gonna do when you grow up and I was kinda shocked. I thought, thought you knew I was gonna be a big licker." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Mom, haven't you seen? Yeah,
1: mom. And she said, Well I hope you can, but you need to have plan B. And I said, Well I guess if I can't play it, I wanna write about it. So she steered me toward communications and journalism classes
0: okay so you come out of junior college did you go straight into journalism
1: uh actually i went straight into pest control
0: oh which is a lot like journalism (laughs) i prefer to be called licensed
1: killer (laughs) yeah i crawled under the houses and kept the bugs away from you and uh
0: how long did you do that for Maybe a year, something like that. Long enough to figure out that's not what you. Yeah, would have.
1: I thought you know, there's got to be people would say, "Have you seen Jared Pickney's house?" And I go, no, "I've been under it." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it. I was under. I was playing a pickup basketball game with George Smith at the community center, and he said, "He said, hey, you grew up here. Do you know somebody who could write sports?" And I said, "Yeah, I can." And hmm. he said, "No, I'm I'm serious." And I said, "I'm serious too." So he Was sitting, George
0: Smith. Who's George Smith? George was the editor of the Daily okay. Press. Okay,
1: my, All right. my first boss. And um, I told him, I said, hey, when I was in school, that's what I was trying to do. But by this time, I had a wife and a child, so I was needing to make money instead of go to school. So he uh, he said, well, cover a ball game. He sent me to a game at Curleys Ridge College. Hmm. And he said, do that and bring it in. We'll see what we think. So I did. And he called me the next day. said, when can you start to work? I said, tomorrow. <laughs> wow. So I had been laid off from the the bug-killing job. So November seventy four, I started
0: nineteen seventy four. Yeah,
1: yes, not eight, not eighteen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what have you uh, enjoyed the most about your job?
1: Well, you know, when it's new, it, you know, you just like the experience of getting paid to go to a ball game. Yeah. And uh, after a few years, you know, it's like, man, I got to go to a ball game, Friday. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, when you get to cover really important games or exciting games, yes. And then after a while, you start to understand there are really interesting people out there. I, I, I got more into talking to people than yeah. watching the game.
0: Well, that's I mean that's exactly why we started the Paragol podcast was because I was naturally curious and was talking to different people throughout the city just because of my job took me there for whatever the reason. And you know, I came to and I was like, there really are a lot of interesting people even right here in a, in a city as small as ours, mm-hmm. and um I mean it's, it's if you just kind of take the time or make the space to go connect with someone and ask them a few questions and there's so much you can learn mm-hmm.
1: I, when I was first in uh, journalism it was easy for me to come up with stories I had a ball game every night mm-hmm. you know, we, we had at that time we covered something like 13 schools so wow. I, I stayed pretty busy but The other departments, you know, like if they needed a feature story and they go, I I got nothing, George Smith would say, how many people live here? And they'd go, 15,000. He'd go, there's 15,000 stories. Go get one. I think that's true. That's true. Everybody has a story.
0: Yeah, that's good. So you said that one of the things you enjoy the most about uh, covering sports are some of the big events. Are there any big events that jump out to you as you look back um, on all of the different events that you have covered? There's some that really jump out at you as like, man, that was significant, or that was a lot of fun? Or yeah. I,
1: I've tried to make a list before, mm-hmm. you know, I'd make my top five, and I'd share it with somebody, and they go, hey, that's pretty good, but I figured you'd put in, and they'll name something, i go, oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> you know, when you this do is, it for nearly 50 sure, years, you forget, you forget some. some stuff, but <clears throat> we were talking earlier about filming the camera, that kind of stuff. Yes. In the late 70s, maybe 77, Marmaduke's boys were really good in basketball, and uh, they were in the state semifinals in Little Rock, and they were playing Plumerville, and I was right there at courtside covering the game, and it was one of those nights when it was a photographer's dream. Everything Mm. happened in front of me, just over, 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 and I was thinking, man, I've got some good stuff. And we rolled our own film, and, and I usually put in a roll of 24. When I got up to about 27, I thought, I guess I put in a 36. And when I went past 36, I thought, when did I put film? And so I, I shot the whole first half with no film in my camera. Wow. And now i got to play catch-up. You know, i am yeah. like I got to get a picture yeah. now. And it, just, it was okay, not as good, but the game was greater. Hmm. The, the uh, At their sports banquet that year, they played a tape of the radio guy from the state... ARN network, whatever. And he's he's there, and it's late in the game, like a minute to go. And he's going, well, tomorrow night it's going to be Plummerville and McNeil. you know, And then he goes, well, there, Marmaduke scored. And Plummerville's record will be – and Marmaduke scored like nine points in a minute and won the ball game. Wow. So that stands out. I mean, that yeah. game, you know, for two reasons. I, I messed up the first half.
0: Great game because Marmaduke had a really, really good team. Who were their guys? Do you remember?
1: Rick Poe, Tim Porter, Kevin Reddick. James Hensley, Daryl Hester,
0: Ron McCrealis. From your perspective, is that the best basketball team that you've covered in this probably city? the Probably the best in I've covered. You know,
1: I, I started watching sports when Perigueux High School was really good with the Washington Brothers. Yes. So I saw them. When would that have been? 63. Oh, okay. 1963, not 18. <laughs> they were great. Um, yeah, you know, Marmaduke's boys that year. Uh, I know you would be too young. Tim Porter was recruited by everybody in America. Really? I mean, yeah.
0: Out of Marmaduke. Yeah,
1: he was a six <laughs> four guard who could just jump out of sight and score. Wow. Poe was six five. And everybody's right, right making athlete. all of
0: these recruiting videos for their yeah. kids, and that just goes to show, like, if you're good, they're going to find you. Yeah.
1: He was recruited. Tim was recruited by uh, the Razorbacks when Eddie Sutton was the coach, and they came here one day and. And actually, it was still a recruiting trip. We, we were told he was getting ready to sign that day with the Razorbacks, but he didn't. And um, I had actually been the one picking up their assistant coach and taking him to Marmaduke. Gene Cady, who wound up at Purdue, would fly in here. I'd pick him up, and we'd go to him, I'd take him oh, back. Cool. <clears throat> so he, he kind of hooked me up with Coach Sutton, where mm. I could talk to him. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell Tim this, but he would start for us. Okay, that would have put him in the starting lineup with the
0: triplets. Who were the My- triplets? Sydney Moncrief, Ron Burr, Marvin. Oh wow! Yeah,
1: he was. He would have been. He a was freshman. that good. Yeah.
0: Whatever. Yeah. Did he have a good college career?
1: He, he played a couple of different places, but it just kind of burned out. I think. to okay. be honest with you. Good guy. He's still. I, I've, I've talked to him a few times since.
0: Not still around here, or is he still around. No,
1: here? he is somewhere near Mountain View, I believe.
0: Okay. So, 77, Marmaduke game. What else? Do you have any other events that jump out, come off?
1: Well, I helped coach our American Legion team through those same years, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, back-to-back years, we we really had good ball clubs. and A guy named Donald Barker from Rector hit a dramatic home run that sent us to the state tournament the first year. We finished third, and then the next year we finished second. But lots and lots of good kids. Uh, That last group had three kids on it that actually played a little pro ball.
0: Was Randy Rogers on that team? Randy Rogers. So Randy's a member in our church, our pastor at.
1: Randy was a super pitcher.
0: Is he as good as I hear?
1: He was very, very good. It looked like he was throwing darts, but he was throwing it about 93, probably 94. I mean, he got it there in a hurry. Wow. Left-handed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was a little bitty guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's bigger now than he ever was. He was tiny. And uh, Gary Washington was the head coach. And he said, you know, we called him Monk, Monk Right? He said, Monk look, looks like something you'd wear on your keychain. <laughs> 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 he could pitch. Yeah, he played a little pro ball. Mitch Nelson from Oak Grove played a little. And then Rick Poe made it, I believe, as far as triple A with the Mets.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Randy, actually, uh, we were joking about this last year. Uh, he came up to me and he said, I got good news. He said, my baseball card's gone up. And he said, it's now worth 35 cents. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even know he had a card, but it's funny. You can you can Google Randy yeah. Rogers, but there it is with his Atlanta Braves, you know, uniform yeah. on and big old black glasses.
1: Yeah, it's really funny. You know, he was well-known. I mean, he could just pitch. When you can pitch, people know. And uh, Mitch Nelson was an Oak Grove kid and, boy, I mean, put together like Superman. Really? And uh, he played right field. And we were at Ray Winder Field in Little Rock where the Travelers played at that time. And uh, a guy hit a rocket to the right field wall, and Mitch got it on one hop and turned around and just threw a BB to, second to throw the guy out in about... Eight scouts and college recruiters came down. Coach, Coach, uh, what's that boy's name? Where's he, where's he going? <laughs> and, you know, just he became known in a hurry for that
0: throw. Oh, yeah, I bet, man. It's one of those things that you can't teach, right? Either you got it or you don't yeah. have it. Yeah. Um, so what else as you look back on journalism, photography, events that um, in Paragould specifically that jump out at you?
1: In Paragould? I think it was uh, really neat to be covering tech and paragol girls when they were playing each other for the state championship. Back in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, that was neat.
0: Is so that uh, basically there are two stars, Mandy Cox, right for Paragold. Yeah. And then yeah. was it Stephanie? Uh
1: what Jennifer time? Jennifer Woods, okay. uh, Stephanie McDonald yeah. and back in yeah. You know, they, they all run together for me. Yep. I forget who's an mm-hmm. eighty and who's a ninety, but I just thought that was pretty neat. Two really good good teams and to think back at just really Athletes that were just above the norm, you know, Cindy Camp at Tech and Dana Holston at Paragould and Kyle Harris and Rick Poe and Haley Faulkner. You know, we've had some really, really good athletes here.
0: Yeah. How has the game changed over the years from your perspective? Which game? How has sports Which, changed? How about that?
1: Sports, um, one time... This would be five or six years ago, I guess. Braxton Burnside was a senior yes. at Perigle. Yep. Yeah. And uh, her coach, Bill Shetzley, is a really good friend of mine, mm-hmm. and we were softball teammates for Yeah, he's years. a legend. Right? Yeah, he is. So we were just talking. That he was working on the field before the game, you know, and, uh, and he told me, he said, man, she's something special. He said, she's really special. So I, I believed him. And I said, well, what about, you know, just the team? He said, well, he said, we're really good, but – he said, "Man, when did it go from just being a lady ram to having to get a scholarship?" Hmm. And you stop and think now, everybody's got to have a hitting coach and a fielding coach, and because we got to get that scholarship, you know, the game is pretty good to just play.
0: Yeah, man, that's a good word. Yeah. Why do you think that has changed so much? I don't
1: know. I guess the the um, the the boom in televised events. I'm sure. You know, when, when your dad and I were playing Babe Ruth baseball, you got one baseball game a week on Saturday. That's all you saw on TV. So you went out and played, and you just played. But then, as it expanded, everybody wants to be a part of that. So everybody wants the scholarship so they can go play here, play there. Just play.
0: Yeah. That's a good word, Ann. For, yeah. I'll leave it there, but it, it's... Murray Watts, who maybe at some point we'll have on uh, the podcast. He was a member of our church for a while. Lived in Paragould, but you might remember Murray. I don't I know. He, the name. he played Double A for the Royals and then quit. But graduated from Jonesboro High, and was just an absolute stud in high school. You know, and he graduated. I don't know when it was. I mean, I think he, I think he played for a state probably. In the mid-2000s. And so he's not like, you know, super old. But he mm-hmm. was saying how even in his day, and he was, you know, throwing five or six, He wasn't even a pitcher, but he was just such a good athlete. He'd throw five or six no-hitters. And yeah. just, you know, Bruce Hunt said that Murray hit the, the longest ball he's ever seen anybody hit, ever, you know. And uh, he was just, you know, great player. And, you know, he said that even in his day, there was no travel. I mean, you, you, yeah. only the best of the best played Legion. yeah, And that was basically it. And then he just made the comment of, you know the the world is so big. You just everyone thinks well, my kid's gonna get a scholarship. Exactly. My kids, and here's Murray, who was head and shoulders above anybody else in this area. I mean, it wasn't even close. And he's like, but you don't realize if you do get that scholarship, the competition has just gotten so much tougher. And then if you do get drafted, a lot of people think, well, if I get drafted, my kid gets drafted. Like then they're gonna be going pro. And he's like, you're starting out at the bottom of the bottom. But even the worst pitcher you face. And that system was someone's number one in college. Exactly, exactly. And he's like, it's just, it's, you know, but it's easy to get caught up in that for sure.
1: My, my dad very briefly played minor league baseball when he was younger. He, he went to Helena and was a catcher. So when I wanted to be a player, I, I went to Ranger, which had a reputation of turning out professional players. So mm-hmm. He said, all right, be honest with yourself. Go there. If you can play there, then you probably can play. And if you can't, that." It's probably time to get a real job. So I got there, and wow. Our our ace pitcher was a guy named Donnie Moore, who wound up pitching for the Cardinals, Cubs, Royals. He was a major league all-star. And uh, we had an inter-squad game, and I was batting seventh, and I was not fortunate enough to be on his team. I had to bat against him. And our first six guys never, never made contact. (laughs) I mean, he just blew them away. And I hit seventh, and I think he he might have thrown a changeup, because I hit a foul ball about three feet, and my team gave me a standing <laughs> ovation. And then uh, he went on to be the star, and the team won the national championship his year. And wow. then he went to the big leagues, and I knew that day, I know I'm not
0: a big leaguer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That put it in perspective.
1: Yeah, and what it put in perspective for me after I became a sports writer is when people here say, I'll guarantee you he's going to play pro or I'll guarantee you she's a division one and I, I want to go. No, I've, I've seen pro. And that's not uh, it. I had to bat against him. I had to bat against Mark Littell. Uh I had to try to guard some guys in basketball that ended up in the NBA. So we're not producing that type <laughs> player here very often. So, yeah. you know, if you get a college scholarship, great be happy be the best you can be no don't, don't think you got to be a pro or you know even if you don't get a scholarship be the best player you can be right here and, and be happy
0: yeah that's a good word I want to move uh, outside of sports for a moment because I know that you've covered other events but any other stories uh, that whether in sports or outside of sports that just jump out to you that you think would be good to recount that maybe even those listening maybe maybe they do know maybe they don't know but it would be good to relive, oh goodness! I know yeah. I didn't ask you that before. I could have really set you up to be like file through your records and your journals. Oh and,
1: man, man, yeah, it's because
0: uh, I'm sure you're thinking if I say something, then I'm going to get all these messages back, and people are like, "Well, what about this yeah, one? What about yeah, that one?" No, no,
1: actually, you know, it's it's the memory that, that goes. There, there's things that impact you. I mean, I remember I was leaving town to go to a Razorback basketball game in Little Rock. And uh, I had our staff photographer with me. She wanted to shoot the game, and and her beeper pager whatever went off. We had a big fire in town. She said, "I, I got to turn back and shoot that before we go." And it was today that the the uh, Gulf Oil plant blew up here, blew, exploded, blew up a house.
0: I don't even know about that.
1: Yeah, it was big, big.
0: The Gulf Oil plant.
1: Yeah, on uh, at the end of. It was just off the end of Pruitt, one block over.
0: Yeah, it. When was this? Seventies. Okay, that's what I, I mean, don't know about
1: it. I mean, it was it was serious stuff. Okay, and the fire chief at that time was Buddy King, our general manager at the Daily Press, and uh, so we we come rolling up with our cameras, and he's on the bullhorn trying to tell everybody, "You've got to leave. We might all die." If this thing goes again, we're all going to die. You have to leave. And I thought, and I'm standing here with a camera. But that was your job, you know. You had to come did out with pictures? the picture. We took, we shot a couple of rolls of film, and then he said, "Get," and we did. Wow, those things kind of stick with you, you know. Or, uh, yeah.
0: Or maybe you still stories. Still have those pictures?
1: Ah, uh, they're there somewhere.
0: Yeah. I want to. Is that going to make it on blast? <laughs> blast in the past? Literally. Yeah. No, no.
1: <laughs> some people did. Die in that. So, wow! Yeah.
0: So that was a tragic, not just like a loss of business. But yeah, literally yeah. loss of lives. It,
1: it literally exploded a house right next door to it. I mean, just obliterated it. So that stays with you. Uh, when the Grabers building burned here in downtown, it was late at night. We all had to grab a camera and run down there.
0: Was that right across the street from our building? Yeah, so that that's was, what Alvin Arnold was talking yeah. about with us. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize of, how big of a deal that that whole business was.
1: It was, uh, you know, when I was a kid, you went to town, and if you were going to do clothes shopping, you went to Graber's, you know, and it had cool little revolving doors or
0: something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Historic building. It's the biggest you know? building in town, right? I think so. That point. So it's
1: our job to show up with a camera and document that. That sticks with you. Some good news stories, you know, guys who've been... I, I had a very good friend from Brooklyn named Dennis Manley. Uh, a lot of people will know him from here. And we played softball, basketball together. He got cancer and looked like he couldn't play anymore. And he was determined that he was going to play again. And I got to be there when he played and got a hit. That's kind of cool, stuff like that. So You could... You could pick out a part of the town or a school, and I'd go, oh, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, you go through lots of things over...
0: That, That's what we'll that, do in the next podcast, is uh, we'll just have Bill pack all this stuff up, <laughs> put it in his car, and then we'll just drive around town. And There you like, go. Yeah. Here's what happened here. Yeah. So. But what do you think, uh, as you look back on your career, are some lessons that you have learned or things that you've taken away?
1: Well, my... F- the first or second week that I worked at the newspaper, George Smith wrote a column trying to explain to the Tech and Paragol people that we really didn't care who won their ball game, <laughs> that we were a Paragol-Green County paper. And he went in, you know, hey, we're not for this team, we're not for that team, we're just presenting the news. And I thought, well, that seemed kind of unnecessary. And once both both schools started playing Basketball and later on playing football against each other—it's—it's it's craziness, you know. I mean, you—you you could you could just hand that column out to everybody in the stands and go, "We we're for both teams, you know. We, we want a good game and we want kids to do well." And then when you write the story, you're going to get phone calls that you know you don't like us. You always do stuff, and you never do anything for us. And I, my wow. goodness, it's just you crazy. Used to get that kind of stuff. Oh, all the time, all the time. One year. Mike McKinney and I were working together, and <clears throat> just because we were tired of those comments, we we took our rulers and got the entire year of sports coverage and measured column inches for Tech and Paragol, and that came out within like five inches of each other. Oh wow! I mean, because we were we were conscious of that. Sure. You know, we we tried to say, okay, if we did this, we got to this, and. It wasn't two days till I got an anonymous letter from one of the schools. You, it's obvious you prefer them over us. And I thought, man. Can't win. <laughs> Can't win. So just do your job. Do the best you can do. and
0: You're never going to be able to please everybody. Someone's
1: going to like it and someone's not going to like it. And that's just what you got to live with.
0: Yeah, that's a good lesson. For sure.
1: Well, if you if you did please both of them, Marmaduke was mad at you. Because <laughs> th- this is really how silly it would get. You'd get a phone call. Uh, their schools, they've got to be on the top of the page two days in a row, and we were on the bottom. Or their story was 12 inches long, and ours was only 6 inches long. You know, I, it, and you go, and how do you know that? Because I measured it. <laughs> wow yeah so it's craziness you know some games are more important than other games you know some sure, games absolutely. they need there's more of a story yeah, they need 18 inches of of space and some dumb but you can't you're not ever gonna i'm gonna win go that back battle. and
0: look how long my tennis articles were <laughs> and see if they were as long as as whoever this, yeah whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly never going to win
1: that battle you know you just do your job and after a while, you realize just do your job.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to, that at the end of the day, like you know your heart, you know your character, yeah. you know you know what your passions are, and yeah, be able to lay your head down at the end of the night and just say, look, everybody is not ever going to be perfectly happy with me, but if sure. I can lay my head down and say, you know, what? I've done the best I've done, and I tried to say true to my character and my job what I've been called to do, like yeah,
1: yeah, you know when when we were writing. We, um, early in the morning, you would have our paper on the driveway, Johnson Bruston on the driveway, maybe Little Rock paper on the driveway. Some people took commercial appeal out of Memphis, so you know my my goal was to write my story interestingly enough that they would want to read mine over somebody else's. If yeah, you know, three people cover the same ball game, you got to do something. So we we tried to be kind of interesting with our writing. I think
0: yeah, we were. I've always thought you're a good writer. Does it make you sad that the Daily Press is no longer located here? It,
1: it does. You know, that was my home paper. I, I went to the pawn shop the other day, and they said, can I help you? And I said, I just want to walk through the building. I spent a big part of my adult life here. I just want to walk around and see what it looked like now.
0: Is that just, I mean, did they leave here because that's just the way times have changed with digital? I think so, uh,
1: yeah. You know, I, I never thought I would be a guy who didn't have a newspaper in my hand in the morning, but I read mine on the computer. I mean, you know, it's just a different It's a time. lot more convenient. Yeah. Different time.
0: So, the blast from the past, that seems to have gotten a lot of traction where you're posting these. This is daily, right? Daily. Where are you getting these pictures?
1: Well, that's an inter- interesting story. Probably the best thing I've ever done, if you want to know the truth. You know, you write all these it's stories fantastic. and you think, you think, you write these stories and you think people are going to go, wow, great story, you know, and nobody <laughs> says yeah. anything. Yeah. And you put an old picture up there and 100 people comment on it what's that about man well i uh, back in those days when we were shooting film we were told try to shoot at least three rolls of film at any thing you do any any ball game especially so we're rolling our own we're rolling 24 or 36 so let's say i've got three rolls of 24 and uh, it's almost half time and i've got four frames left on this roll of film, I want to go ahead and get it out of the camera. So I just turn around and shoot what, fans or cheerleaders or friends or whatever, just to get it out of the camera. Mm-hmm. That's not ever going to make the newspaper. right? Or maybe someone would see me and go, hey, could you take a picture of us? And i go, yeah. Oh. So then when we take that to the dark room, I'd go, hey, those last three frames, just let me have them. They're just mine. So they'd clip them off and give me the negatives. And I'd either have a print made for someone or I'd just put it back somewhere, take it home. So I was trying to clean out my garage, and I had these two big totes full of negatives. I mean, thousands of negatives. thought, wow. like, Man, I'm dumping these things. And then I go, well, wait a minute. Oh, man,
0: I'm glad you did. I,
1: I need to look at them first, because my kids might be on there, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So I'd see them, and then I'd go, oh, yeah, I remember taking that of them, and they've never seen that. I think I'll put it on Facebook and let someone see it. And that got it started. Well, it just went nuts from there. So I had thousands then one day, I, I was still at the Daily Press at this time. I took a day off and um, came in the next day, and the editorial staff didn't come in until three or four or five, depending on what their duties were that day. So I'd been there, you know, all day long the next day, and when they start coming in, one goes, hey, they, they threw a bunch of negatives away yesterday. And I said, "Who?" He said, well... You know, the management decided we needed more storage space, and they went through all these cabinets and said, what do we need these old negatives for? And they threw the oldest ones in the dumpster. And I went, -uh." (laughs) nuh-uh. So, yeah, they had. So I went to my boss, and I said, well, if we're throwing them away, can I have them? She said, if you want to go dumpster diving, jump. So, you can imagine a day and a half later, a lot of them were just ruined. They'd been ripped up with, you know, you yeah. throw metal stuff in there and wood stuff yeah. and nails and brads and chemicals and tobacco and coffee. And <laughs> so, I grabbed what I could and took them home. I took several armloads home. So, mm. there's much stuff I had never seen. You know, I was sports photographer, so here's package after package of negatives of school stuff, political stuff, church stuff. Wow. Teach your stuff, so I scan them into the computer. It's the first time I've seen most of them. I don't. I don't know what's going to be on there till it pops up. And lots of times I'll go, "Hey, there's Jared Pickney when he was in the third grade." Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I yeah. just see people leaders of today when they were wow younger. So it's, it's kind of a neat. Thing. Wow.
0: What, why do you think? Uh, what was it about those pictures that you were willing to dive and get into the trash? And get dirty in order just to get those out. Why do you think that that meant so much to you? It's
1: it's history. But I understand the importance of a photograph. If I say to you today, Iwo Jima, what comes to mind?
0: Yeah, the picture of the bomb. Were you
1: there? Yeah, no. How do you know? Yeah. If I say Hindenburg disaster, what comes to mind?
0: Yeah, you're right. It's all pictures. Were you there?
1: No. So pictures mean something. They're, They're our link to who we were. Huh. And to just, I just couldn't let them just be dumped. I had to grab them.
0: Yeah. Well, it's crazy about this, too. And, Bill, I don't know if you're, you are need to add Richard as a friend so that you can get on Facebook and start checking these out. I know you're not from here, but it's, it's really cool because you post you post these pictures. And if I, at least the ones I've seen, you typically don't even put names on them. There's no, no names. There's no, really, I don't think even much of a description or anything. No. There isn't one. And then. Somehow, though, people find on them in no time. They're like, that's Bobby so and so. Oh, looky there, Mrs. My favorite teacher.
1: Yeah, that's the fun part. Sometimes I know. Sometimes I look and I go, oh my gosh, there's so and so when he was 10. And, and I put it there just so everybody can look at it. But there are lots of times, you know, maybe it's a group shot and I'll know two people. And then when people start identifying them, I'll go, well, oh, I see it now. Yeah, that's him or that's her. And that. I think that's what people enjoy the most is getting to recognize faces and places.
0: Yeah, man. And there is something about, I don't know, when you look through those old pictures, for me, like very rarely do you post a picture where I'm like, oh, I know them. Um, sometimes, but yeah. not often. But still, it's it's like, uh, and I, I'm just trying to verbalize this for the first time, but it's almost like it just roots you. Mm-hmm. Somewhat, yeah. Does that make sense? And yeah. where you're from, yeah, it just gives a, a richness to use your name and a word no <laughs> yeah, yeah, see there. See that? You He's like that a little journalism Richens. playing right. words? You can and call so, me
1: your richness. That's <laughs>
0: what <you're talking> <laughs> but it does add some quality and some depth and oh. some, like I said, rootedness to where you're from. I'm like, wow, like, yeah, that's over there on this corner. That, mm-hmm. that building's not even there anymore. Yeah, that's the corner. and it allows you to appreciate it because now maybe it's just a field or maybe it's a Dollar General or whatever else, and it's like. Man, the the, the the amount of living that has happened there is far beyond what I'm just seeing right here and right now.
1: Sure. For many years, uh, Orville Roberts was superintendent at Perigold, and in his office was about a, maybe a 16 by 20 black and white photo. It was an aerial view of the campus at L.W. Baldwin Elementary, which also housed the Babe Ruth American Legion Baseball Park where I spent a great mm-hmm. part of my youth. And I've tried to track that photo down. No one knows what happened to it. I would love to have that, okay? Why? That ballpark meant everything to me Absolutely. back in those years. You know, we went down there every morning. We rode our bikes down there and squeezed in between the gates and played baseball till they ran us off. And if they'd let us stay in Shag, we'd stay there. And then that's where we played our games. So now it's a playground. You know, it's got playground equipment all over So you know, I'd love to have that. I think people feel the same way when I put one of the old buildings. You know, they go, "Oh, I worked there," or "That's yeah. my grandpa." Or, yeah. You
0: know. Yeah, I mean, you've we I've done that with this building where you've posted before. I yep. know pictures and Belk, mm-hmm. you know, was included or whatever. And you look at it, you're like, just a reminder of, oh yeah, I forgot the place that I work at now as a pastor is a place I used to go upstairs and buy clothes exactly for school
1: exactly. And I, you, yeah,
0: it's good to remember those things. I, I,
1: This has been a year or so just scanning in negatives, and I found your dad's sister. I know she was a great artist. Yes. And there was a picture of her with a giant painting that she had done. That's incredible. Yeah, we went to church together. I thought, man, I hadn't thought about her in 40 years.
0: Yeah, if you ever come across that again and you think we're going to send it to me, I would. I'd love to send it over to my dad. Yeah. Well, this is a bonus question. And if you. What do I win? Yeah. (laughs) ask Bill Um, he's a producer so uh, if you don't know the answer to this that's fine and we'll just edit it out okay um, I love to hear how you think from your perspective as you've you've covered so much of Paraguay. like what I love about photography before I even say this and journalism is you have such a unique perspective because you've had to slow down and pay attention to what's going on around you and most of us have not yeah So from your perspective over the years, how has Paragould changed?
1: That's a fair question. Uh, When I was a kid, it was very Mayberry-like. We got on our bikes every morning and rode around town. Our parents didn't worry about us, and we didn't lock our doors on the house. When we went to church, you just came home, walked in the door. Hmm. But when I went to college, I think Paragould was 12,000, and we're closer to Thirty than that mm-hmm. now. So if you're going to grow, things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Streets that used to be two lane or four lane because you have to accommodate traffic and more houses, more cars. It's just more dangerous. But that's just progress. Yeah. If we were still a city of twelve thousand, we probably would have a lot of empty buildings. And, yes. Uh, it's it's changed, uh, you know, for the better. I think.
0: Yeah. Everybody wants to go
1: back, but you know, if we went back to the 50s and 60s uh, it would be a little sadder than we realize
0: well and typically this is i guess why they call it growing pains mm-hmm. right it's like if you're not if you're growing you're going to have growing pains but if you're not growing the opposite of that is probably dying going yeah there you go and um i think we see that with a lot of other towns mm-hmm. that probably were close to the same size as parable at one point that just refused to. Uh, Make any changes or do the things that were necessary to keep up with the times, and so um, yeah, I think that's a good reminder of like, yeah, there were things about that that you loved when you were a kid, and we look yeah. back at that. And we got to be very careful, though, I think, to not be like, can we just go back to the old days? Yeah. It's like you actually can't, yeah, you know, because the world is not the same, exactly, and therefore there's no way the city can quite be the same.
1: Parts of it would be fun, the simplicity, of yes, just you know, get up and be a kid and don't worry about all this stuff. But you know, in in my day, when you finished college there were not a lot of money making opportunities here we we weren't very big and were you going to get this good paying job so you can raise your family mm-hmm. so people left
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know now it's different now you yeah. can go to school and just come back home and be comfortable
0: that's right and that's one of the things i like about um w- one of the things i guess that struck me about josh ag whenever we spoke and uh, I still seems to be one of his passions. Is he's like, hey, I want a, this to be a place for my kids when they go off to college. So like, I can return to Paragould, and mm-hmm. I want to return to Paragould. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's important that we try to aim to be that kind of city, so we yeah. can keep our our best and brightest. Yeah. So
1: I've said this for decades, or maybe for a couple of days. I don't know. I've said. This thought <laughs> came through my head.
0: Sometimes it feels like decades, but it's only days. Yeah,
1: there are people who enjoy doing things in our community that I don't. Want to have any part of? I don't want to be in a play, and I don't want to try to stand in front of you and sing. I There are things is you couldn't put a gun to my head and make me do it. But we have people who want to make our community um, to give us a, a variety of things to do and enjoy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that that is also in our leadership. I mean, we have people who are invested in Paragould and believe in our city and our county. It makes it a pretty good place to live.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think that's a good place to end. And so I would just say, Richard, thank you so much for making space to be here. Thank you for um, and the blast of the past for for keeping us aware of and rooted in our history. And so um, you've been, yeah, a blessing to me in many ways. And I know you're such a blessing in our city. So well, we're we're you. better because you're here.
1: Appreciate that. Thank you.
0: All right, so Richard Brummett has left the building. Um, that was excellent. And Bill, I wish you would have been able to keep the record button going just a little bit longer because he was dropping me too um, just these gems on us, man, like uh, after the interview. So we're going to have to definitely have him back again, uh, maybe to record a lot of what we were talking about even after the podcast episode so hey as always thanks so much for listening if you have not done so please go to itunes and give us five stars Uh, that helps people to find um, our podcast and learn about the great people living here in our city Um, remember we're on all the different social media platforms instagram facebook Uh, we have a website that is paragraphpodcast.com and so um, go check all that out if you haven't subscribed to our email list we would encourage you to do that as well so as always thanks for listening and until next time.